Welcome to Brand Story Inc. I'm your host, Jay Sharman, and on this 2020 year-end episode, we're highlighting the best of the business of sports content from the creme de la creme of nearly 50 podcasts we put out this past year. We've got an all-star lineup today. We've got Morgan Dewan of Turner Sports, Jabari Young from CNBC, Leo McCafferty of the Pittsburgh Penguins, and Paul Kennedy from Northwestern University Athletics out of the Big Ten Conference. So over the next 30 minutes or so, we're going to dig in on a few excerpts that touch on a wide spectrum of the key elements of content studio executives' points of view in the business of sports content. I discuss building the business model from the ground up, the state of sports content consumption, best practices in branded content creation, ideal organizational structures, and content measurement, among many other hot topics from 2020. We start first with Morgan Dewan, Turner Sports Vice President of Content Partnerships. She ideated, shaped, pitched, landed, and then eventually ran Turner Sports Content Studio, which is now only part of her overall responsibilities at the media giant. I've had the pleasure of actually seeing and meeting Morgan in person right before the pandemic kicked in. Uh, And what started as a glorified closet setup has evolved into a full-fledged broadcast facility within Turner Sports based on her business success. Few that I know talk so eloquently about the building of the business. So let's jump into her advice on how either starting or building a content studio function within an organization might be best approached. What it comes down to is, is that if you can figure out a vision that supports the organization as a whole and makes those different executive leaders, if you're going to make their divisions look good and be more profitable for what they do, they're going to buy into that. And then if you can design a system that's um, as efficient uh, economically as possible, you're only going to be able to grow from there. So to come in with this huge plan that was going to cost you know, tens mm-hmm. of millions of dollars to implement, I think would have been kind of balked at out of the gate. But when you said, hey, we're going to we're going to bring in these T3s, we're going to see what we can do here. We're going to measure it. We're going to make sure that every piece of content that we create is driven by insight um, and analytics um, and make sure that we're using our resources in the right place. I think that's what got them on board. Um, as far as, as how that business goals translate to what we were doing from a content strategy perspective, I think the content strategy um, has always been twofold. It's been using social media content to A, enhance the experience of fans who are already with us, who already love us, who know our talent, know our brands, and we're taking a show like Inside the NBA which is typically only on Tuesdays and Thursdays and making it a week long franchise, right? Mm -hmm. So that you're not missing us the rest of the week. That's been part A. And part B has been around attracting new audiences who aren't familiar with those brands. And I think that was some of the eye-opening justification that we needed from some of our leadership to be able to get what we got, which was, listen, there's a whole generation of people out there who never saw Charles Barkley even play. Mm Like they only know him as a broadcaster, right? So how do we start introducing people to the show because of what he has to say or or um, putting it up against, you know, modern or or more current storylines? So it's about retaining part A is retaining uh, existing audiences on a grander scale, but then B is creating new audiences and new entry points. 
Morgan and I went from the big picture of the business of sports content studios to some real tactical examples of how sponsored and branded content is evolving for sports media entities, treating the social media platforms the way they're intended, as engaging conversational starters that complement live sporting events. Morgan breaks down the 2020 NBA All-Star Game through her eyes, the last big sporting event before the pandemic kicked in. I'd like to talk about our incredible partnership with the NBA and um, and Twitter, in fact, um, that ended up being something special for State Farm. But um, we have a, I think, now three-year partnership um, as part of our our NBA digital uh, venture with the NBA for a franchise that we call hashtag NBA Twitter Live. Um, And this has really evolved over the last couple of years. And um, NBA Twitter is a thing. It's um, it's where it's the de facto place of where people go on social media to talk about the NBA, Mm -hmm. whether games are on or not. Um, And so we saw that we had that insight early and we had great partners in Twitter who were willing to come on board and help us co-create content for the at the right price point and and a very high production value. So that's been going on for three years. Um, what it has evolved into in this in this last season is um, what we do is we create a, a very social friendly, uh, uh, socially endemic uh, talent. We bring them together in their own kind of studio show. Um, and what we do is we use isocams from uh, from the games. Um, we have a Twitter vote where, People can choose uh, the player that they want to see during the second half of the game. We go live on that player ISO cam. We mm. also pull up the new um, studio show, and then we have them commenting on the game um, together. So that was happening over the course of this season. Um, and then for, of course, NBA All-Star in Chicago, we wanted to do something um, special. So uh, we popped up the Saturday night show. Um, well, we were always going to do it for the second half of the Sunday show. But then what we also saw was a consumer insight that there is a ton of social chatter and activity after the dunk contest. Mm-hmm. And we don't always on and inside the NBA and NBA on TNT linear, we don't always go have a live show after that. So we were like, great, sweet spot. This is a place where um, this show can really shine. So in addition to our second half, Sunday night show during the actual um, game, uh, we popped up the the Saturday night show to be a place for dunk conversation um, uh, with uh, some of our Tuesday night crew with um, Adam Lefko and Shaq and um, uh, Dwayne Wade and Candace Parker. Um, and it was really the perfect storm. Um, and then our sales team and Twitter sales team were able to partner together and were able to bring State Farm on board for that um, as kind of the first presenting sponsor. So that's a an example of a show that we would have wanted to do anyway. Mm-hmm. We might we had to bring in a separate broadcast truck. We had to get the talent on board. There was some you know some cost uh, involved with producing that that night from from the arena. Um, but we wanted to do it. We were able to bring in a partner and a sponsor who were able to. Um, make it actually come to life. From Morgan Dewan talking about Turner Sports and the hardwood, we transition now to Leo McCafferty, Vice President of Content for the NHL's Pittsburgh Penguins. We started by getting some context on the scale of quantity of content created and the balance of quality of it, along with in-season approach to content creation versus out-of-season. Let's find out how Leo and his team balance this at the Penguins. 
It's a great question, and it's it's really hard to quantify uh, because every day is so different, and and we are catering to so many different audiences. You know, we create all of the content that appears in the arena for our games. So we have all of the game day content and creation. We have all of the we have two television shows. We we do that entirely in house. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of social content that's curated just for those platforms. We have a lot of partner integration and partner content that um you know that that we are obligated to do in a sense and other things that we're not obligated to do that we want to do and then we can you know bonus to our partners so the 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 volume is um is really hard to quantify especially on a day-to-day basis we we just were talking about this the other day and um our our vp of digital she pulled the amount of videos that we put on social during our last fiscal year, and it was close to 5,000. Um, so it's just, there's a lot of, um, you know, and yeah. and there's certainly some repurposing in terms sure, of, you know, sure. something airs in game and we play it on social, but there's also a lot of original content for each of those individual outlets. So, um, you know, there's, there, are, we do, we do value, uh, you know, having quality over quantity, but, in the business that we're in quantity is uh, a necessary evil almost yeah there, there and, are so many things that we have to do and yeah. um you know we we do pride ourselves on, on trying to do all of them yeah i'm excited uh, to dig know, into that right quality. because i think unlike other brands sports has unique advantage in this tribal following and community engagement it's got it's got both unique challenges which we'll talk about and and some inherent advantages maybe to kind of like a consumer facing brand so um, but I want to dig into that. But first, before we do that, from the outside looking in, you know, you may call your division something else. I look at between yourself and your colleague who's VP of digital, um, I look at it as a content studio, right? You have a source of unparalleled access to the team. You've got the ability to connect with fans, uh, Penguins fans on your own O channels, your assets. You get to work with local and national media entities, the league. How has the perspective of the Penguins organization changed in general, um, to where we are in 2020, pandemic notwithstanding, between you and your colleague and, and kind of the content studio value proposition within the larger organization. Yeah, so that fits perfectly into everything that we've been talking about. You know, when I arrived at the organization, um, you know, we were built and structured in an entirely different way. We would create content, we would create videos for our website, and then we would give them to social and say, here you go, do what you want with them. Mm -hmm. And we've totally reverse engineered that where we now are building content for specific social platforms. We're building content for specific outlets and honestly specific audiences um, because people uh, are going to specific places looking for the kind of content that they like. Mm -hmm. and, And we want to bring that to them. We don't want them to have to seek us out. So we have structured ourselves in a way now where we're sort of built for the future as opposed to built for the past. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there, there were a lot of uh, recurring web videos that I did when, or that we did when I arrived um, and, and they worked great then they worked well for our partners. They worked well for our content team. Uh, but as, as time and sort of the social dynamic has evolved, we have realized that that's not the most efficient way to get our content out there. And that's not how people want to view it. You know, they don't want to tune in on a Monday afternoon for the latest piece of content from the penguins. So we have really focused on trying to create uh, an environment that we are able to produce the kind of content 
and the kind of, um, you know, videos that are appropriate for specific platforms and that will engage with those fans and ultimately perform the best as they can uh, based on those audiences. As it relates to performance, those of you that listen to me regularly know that in almost every podcast, we discuss measuring success and how it relates to the business goals of the operation, or in this case, the organization, as they like to say in hockey. Here's what Leo had to say about how the Penguins measure success. Again, it goes back to what we are, what we're trying to achieve. So, you know, for, we have a behind the scenes TV show that's, um, that's been in existence since 2011. And, and the, the premise of that show was to bring our fans places they couldn't be. It was to grow our brand. It was to, um, you know, make the game of hockey exciting and to introduce our players as people as opposed to hockey players. There's in-game videos and, and prompts that we do that, you know, the primary goal of that is to get the crowd on its feet and to make noise. Mm-hmm. And then there are videos. I love or, that. Or pieces of, yeah. <laughs> Success metric being a decibel level achieved. That's fantastic. It, <laughs> it, 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 it makes it hard to uh, put a valuation on it. <laughs> uh, and, and it may be a little bit uh, objective, but mm-hmm. regardless, it, it tends to work. Um, but then but then there are actual metrics, in whether it's ratings for our games, whether it's uh, you know engagements on social. Mm-hmm. Again, it's, it, it's, we're kind of in a, a unique situation and that that we aren't always focusing on one specific thing yep. as our as a team and and so we are we're evaluating things from a lot of different ways but certainly engagement um on social views click-throughs those sort of things are, are important to us um but really if there's a partner involved it's what is their goal if it's if it's just our brand what's the goal there and you know, if we're trying to move tickets, there's a lot of different messages that go out. So, right. um, you know, I don't, I don't know that it's fair to to say that this is what we're trying to achieve. I thought Leo had one of the best examples I've heard in sports content surrounding branded content, and I wanted to jump in here to underscore this example, as it's a great one on several levels. Take a listen. You teed me up perfectly, Leo, for branded content or sponsored content, right? You you mentioned you yeah. have PBG Paints Arena. You have 12 founding partners. You mentioned before you call them partners, not sponsors. Um, what are What's an example of a branded content or sponsored content thing that you've done that you feel is kind of the model of where things should be? So one of the things that we've done that, um, that, that we're proud of as an organization is um, we've worked with a, a company based in Pittsburgh uh, called Cavestro, as well as Carnegie Mellon University. And um, Heard of them. We, yeah, so we, <laughs> what, what we did is we, we engaged um, with Carnegie Mellon and, and their students to come up with a way to make the game safer. And then Cavestro helped make the actual items so this is our third year of the product hmm. uh or of the program and, and and the first year what they did is they created um they created boards that are no different when the puck bounces off of them but they have a little bit more give in terms of if a player were to hit into the boards they might have a, a, a less likely chance of significant injury so That's so cool um, you know it's it's stuff like that where we're able to partner with um you know, a company that has sort of the same values as us. One of our, our cornerstones is to grow the game of hockey. Mm -hmm. And so, and make the game safer for kids. 
And so that's something where we're all invested in it. And it, and it doesn't feel like a piece of branded content. It mm-hmm. feels like something that it, it just feels good. You know, it feels mm-hmm. like we're, we're trying to do the right thing. We're helping students experience a real world situation. We're helping a company sort of develop a new product. And then we are, you know, we're aligning to, to what our brand stands for. And that's, that is really cool. So, um, you know, that's, that's one, you know, there, there are a lot of examples of things that we've done, but that's one that sticks out to me that it's, you know, the the content for it has been good, but you know, the, the, the idea behind it is, is something that is, you know, everyone was really proud of. With good reason. I just love that example. Next up is CNBC sports business reporter Jabari Young, who just let it rip with me and was so refreshingly candid that I think you'll just love revisiting our conversation. So let's start with Jabari's take on the impact of COVID-19 on the value of live sports rights, ratings, and the potential implications for 2021. First, let me just get this out of the way right now because people have they'll listen to the podcast and they'll think that you know, uh, and, and and I don't like to acknowledge them, but at the same time they exist. You're going to have people out there who immediately point to the social injustice causes as a reason why the ratings, you know, have dropped so significantly, and that may be a small piece of it. We don't know because I can't really mm-hmm. go into each household that watch mm-hmm. sports and ask them that question. So we will never know. I don't care what polls say, whatever poll, because polls interview people like 700 people. They don't account for the other right. millions of people right. out there. Right. So we don't know. But I'm sure that it has a place, you know, that it, it plays, whether you agree with it or not. Some people use sports as an outlet and they don't want to deal with the politics of it all. I mean, I think that that has to be acknowledged now that we got that out of the way. Uh, there's a variety of factors that, you know, have contributed to this decline of that. One of which we just mentioned, the consumption habits. I mean, listen, stop for a minute and put yourself in the place of a, a sports fan who happens to be a mother or a father. And uh, they wanted to watch the NBA finals and they went through their day. They may have had two or three cups of coffee just to get through it because remember mm-hmm. now, there are some households that are still have kids in there and they got to deal with the virtual school and working their own jobs. And then after they get through all of that, get dinner prepared, the kids are tucked in, 8.30 comes around. I got another half an hour before the finals comes on at 9 p.m. Do you think I have the energy right. to stay up to watch the finals? <laughs> right. No, that's a good I don't. point. Yeah. I don't. I, and me as a sports reporter, I've had my days. I have a seven-year-old daughter where even I'm I'm paid to watch this. I, I fell asleep in maybe the second quarter. Mm-hmm. I fell asleep in maybe the first and then turn it on until the fourth, third or fourth quarter because I was that exhausted. I'm a human being. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, yep. I'm not Superman. I can't stay up 24 hours a day. I still got to work the next day and also get my child prepared for her day. Um, so you have to account for those people who didn't watch too. And I think that's where the leagues are coming in and saying, hey, there are a whole bunch of people that didn't even have the TV on. Everybody has their points, and there's a whole bunch of reasons as to why. But if this year is truly anomaly, uh, an anomaly, and leagues are expected to get back on their regular schedules, maybe not for the NBA and NHL, but the right. year after that, the same way you decline, you have to then take that sharp increase back up. Otherwise, your product really is devalued. Perhaps the top theme of 2020 sports business content outside of the pandemic in sports gambling is the uptick in sports celebrities as their own media brands. 
A week doesn't go by without some sports star announcing their own content studio, equity stake in a media publisher, or creating a brand leveraging their own likeness. I went there with Jabari and asked why and why now? You know what's driving this trend? Junior Bridgman. <laughs> you know, the old, the businessman, the former NBA player. He is such a smart uh, man. You know, I the, love Junior Bridgman. Yeah, the entrepreneur. You know, I, I still hear his name from time to time when I talk to athletes about these type of deals. And with name, image, and likeness continuing to be as valuable as it is, you see more equity deals. You see more media deals like, mm-hmm. you know, like players want to pull off. You know, I guess they're looking at it as this, like this, you know, why should we give all of our name, image, and likeness to platforms like Instagram and Twitter? We can just create our own and hope that they follow us. Um, and that's another big bet. You know, there's a reason why these social media platforms exist because everybody's there. You know, the social media platforms know how to put everybody together. Uh, but you're also trying to create yourself an e-commerce market. You know, and we just said the home shopping network having a home shopping network on your phone any given moment that you want, right? That's what made the home shopping. Research has shown that if you engage with people more, that they tend to buy your product. Mm-hmm. And so by building these media companies, you know, this is also an advertising play because if you could build it, you no longer need other companies to do what you can now do. You could use, have your own exposure. You could do your own thing. You're just basically taking your brand in the palm of your hand and associating everything with it um, through these companies, these media companies, you know, Kevin Durant, you know, 35 or, you know, 35 ventures and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. what everybody else is doing, you know, and, and, and with their, uh, media companies. And I, I just think it's that type of play, you know, players TV, which is also starting a bunch of NBA guys. I think Ken Griffey now has his own show on there. You see what they're trying to do. They have their own distribution now, you know what I mean? As far as having their own shows. And so that's another thing that, they're hoping that people will want to pay for. Would you pay to see Ken Griffey channel 24 hours a day, see Ken Griffey barbecue in his backyard or live his life? Yep. You know what I mean? Virtual reality, like, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, not virtual reality, uh, reality shows. Mm-hmm. You know, would you, are you, there, is there a market out there that you want to see your sports athlete 24 hours a day if you choose to? Correct. Well, you know I mean, I, hey, I've got this Draymond Green channel. Would yep. you want to see that? In full disclosure on that topic, no. And no disrespect to Draymond Green, but I still see him as a Michigan State Spartan, and I'm a diehard Northwestern Wildcat fan, and I apologize if I've just alienated my audience there. However, I'd be very much all in on a 24-7 digital network dedicated to my beloved Wildcats. Not the Big Ten Network, just the actual Wildcats. I, of course, leverage this mic to have Northwestern Athletics on Brand Story, Inc., and Associate Athletic Director Paul Kennedy who oversees their internal content studio, gives us a mini masterclass in branding, audience targeting, an organizational approach to one master brand, in this case Northwestern, and a slew of sub-brands, in this case the 19 different teams at Northwestern, each that have their own dedicated social media channels. We pick up on just how many social channels comprise the Northwestern athletics ecosystem and how it all works behind the scenes. Pretty much every team we have has a Twitter account, Instagram account, and a Facebook account. Mm-hmm. Um, when the NCAA relaxed their recruiting regulations a number of years ago, every team got on Facebook because it was a way to communicate with prospective student-athletes. Um, that's changed, obviously, with the introduction of Twitter and Instagram and also with the rela- continued relaxation of those recruiting rules from the NCAA. But we're probably running 
upwards of 50 social media accounts on a regular basis. I mean, I would say that's probably the biggest change in the college space and in the industry over the last 10 years is that the communications role for a team like, just for example, tennis. You'd handle the events, you'd update the bios, you'd update the statistics, you'd update the record book in the offseason, and you'd probably say goodbye until the season started again. And now, because of those channels, because they are so important to recruits, which is the lifeblood of any good program, every program has an expectation of constant creation and constant distribution and constantly telling that story, again, 365 days a year, which is a lot for a, for a small staff. And you, certainly we are not doing the same volume of work for golf as football mm-hmm. necessarily. But you do try to do right by every single team because for each of those teams, that head coach thinks they're the most important thing going. Those student athletes think they're the most important thing going. And they should. I mean, that's that's why they're there. You know, that our fencing team, as, a, as an example, is back-to-back Midwest Fencing Conference champions. They deserve some extra attention, certainly. Um, but they also only host one home event. The, the actual ticket sales aspect for fencing is, is very, very different than basketball. I really like the universal appeal of Paul's insights on creating a unique value proposition for your entity and how access is only part of the equation and how important brand consistency and tone of voice is in the overall big picture. I think the first thing is unique access. The whatever you are selling or presenting or um, you know anything that you are trying to show to the world that take advantage of the unique perspective that only you have. That right now you can watch every Northwestern basketball game on television, Big Ten Network, ESPN, CBS, whatever it is. So we're not providing really any value of the things that happen on the court in the course of the game. We might we might be fortunate enough to get a unique angle of a great play, mm-hmm. but the the where we differentiate is that we're the only people allowed in the locker room. We're the only people on the bus. We're the only people in the hotel. Um, we're working for tomorrow uh, to send a camera with our head football coach to his son's basketball game. Those are places that we can take you that nobody else can. The other thing is, you know, what are you – we try to start from the end point of what we're trying to uh, elicit emotionally that, um, you know, what are we trying to make people feel? And, you know, I think sports, as you said, is kind of a universally understood um, – you know, th- that image of someone with their arms in the air, with a big smile on their face, triumphant, regardless of the uniform they're wearing or the, the ball or the puck or the whatever that's next to them, is somewhat understood. If you're a razor blade company, it's different. You know, what if you're, I envy, I think, some of those brands that, that they have a very defined idea of what they're after. As, as, we, as we mentioned, are we after ticket sales? Are we after recruits? It's, it's, it's never totally clear. Um, but... If you're just trying to create sales, if you're just trying to create affinity for your razor blade, what is it about that makes it different? Are you going to try to be funny about it? Are you going to try to be insightful about it? Are you going to try to be, um, you know, is it a technological innovation that you're trying to sell? What, you know, work from the emotion and then back out from there? Because I think a lot of the things we, we borrow from other organizations constantly. I, I will say that, you know, a, 
not entirely, but a lot of the inspiration of some of the video stuff we do is, um, you mentioned the Blackhawks where I was fortunate to work for a couple of years. I think Blackhawks TV was a real trendsetter in this area Mm -hmm. that they had a video crew that they decided they were going to dive deeper than any NHL team into the personalities of their players. And now at the time, it was a very young roster, a group that they were invested in for a decade or more, that, and they knew that. But to, you know, and you listeners can Google this, but the Blackhawks Christmas album is unlike anything I had ever seen from a professional sports team ever before. I mean, to put Duncan Keith in a, in a holiday sweater and a Santa hat, snapping along <laughs> to a, um, a parody of a Christmas song that had Blackhawks lyrics was just... It sounds like a dumb idea. It maybe was a dumb idea, but it, it it played really well. And it you know for the Blackhawks, it was important to create that connection to the individuals on the ice. You know, rather than connecting them to the mascot or connecting them to the front, the general manager, that those players were central to the strategy from day one. Once Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane were drafted, and knew they were going to be important for the next decade, decade and a half. So, you decide that how do we want people to feel about these players? We want them to feel close to these players. We want them to feel like they know these people. Um, and so that Blackhawks TV really did a good job of, you know, when the Olympics came around, putting those two guys in speed skating suits and racing them around the United Center. It's, it's a ridiculous <laughs> idea, but it, it, it humanized them, you know. We are in a little bit of a different spot that our, our players, our student-athletes, turn over every four or five years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to create too much affinity for those kids. Uh, one, because they don't come in necessarily as established stars, and two, because they're in and they're out, when, you know, and, and certain ones have a chance to grab you by the heart, no doubt about it, the Justin Jacksons and Anthony Walkers and um, Derek Pardons of Northwestern. But the coaches really are the face of the franchise for us. They're, they're, they're always there. They are um, our best representatives in front of the camera, in front of a microphone. So, you know, as an example, this offseason, we're trying to think of some ways that, that we can continue to humanize Pat Fitzgerald. You know, what can we That's show the you? Football coach. The, I'm sorry, the our head football coach, coach yeah. Pat Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a Northwestern alum. He's local. He's been with the school forever. Um, he is probably the most famous Northwestern Wildcat now and maybe forever. So, you know, over the last several years, we've tried to figure out different ways to show you Pat Fitzgerald away from the sideline because mm-hmm. you're going to see that on the broadcast anyways. We want to show you show him with his family. We want to show him in his hometown of Orland Park here on the south side with our homegrown campaign a couple of years ago. And now how do we continue to, to evolve him um, – as an as a personality, as a social media presence, so that people want to like him. You know that um, sports, as you mentioned, is very tribal. That's the thing: is that if you're a razor blade brand, if people like your brand, it doesn't necessarily mean they hate your competitor. Mm-hmm. For us, if they like us, they probably hate our competitors. Right. And so that works both ways, especially when you're a small school. That we have a smaller. Um, I will say our, the fans that we have per capita are as rabid as anybody in the Big Ten, but it's a smaller group because we are one-third the size of uh, the next smallest Big Ten school. We're probably one-sixth the size of a lot of the big boys, Michigan, Ohio State, and Nebraska. Um, all those people from all those schools are not going to come over to our side of the fence no. for the most part. Right. Um, if you went to Wisconsin and you moved to Chicago— If you're coming to Ryan Field, it's probably to see the Badgers play. 
And that's a wrap for Brand Story Inc.'s 2020 Best of Sports Content Business Podcast. We've got a slew of Best of Brand Story Inc. year-end recaps, so be sure to check the podcast platforms for more titles, or you can go to teamworksmedia.com where we house every single Brand Story Inc. podcast. You can follow me, Jay Sharman, on Twitter at underscore Jay Sharman, J-A-Y-S-H-A-R-M-A-N, and my contact information is also on the website at teamworksmedia.com. Track me down. Thanks for listening. Hit me up with your feedback. I'm here for you. Cheers. Cheers.